Thank you, Pastor Pete, for that nice introduction. And it is wonderful to be back here with you, uh, back in the USA. We were in Manila when COVID broke out, and we were locked in our apartment for several months. Had to have a pass to leave. I'll tell more stories about that in a minute. It was quite an, an interesting and challenging experience. But currently, right now, we're in the process of retiring from just about everything. Uh, when we were here last year, we had planned to go to Manila for four more years, but COVID kind of threw a wrench in that. We are uh, uh, self-supporting, and a number of our churches could no longer support us, and a number of our individuals lost their jobs, and we decided that it would be wise at this point to not try to figure out how to deal with all that, and um, uh, I didn't want to get back to the States. We had to come back this summer for some medical tests and things that we have to do every year at our age. At our age, oh, I get to be this old, you know, we really have to come back here and get all our tests done every summer. Uh, sorry, I used to teach acting. Pete was in plays. Um, <laughs> so we knew we had to come back this summer, and we were afraid that there would be problems uh, raising funds and getting back, and now we find out the mission department isn't letting missionaries move to when, Corley, 2021? So we wouldn't be allowed to go back anyway. So we decided that we didn't want to leave them uh, in the lurch, as, it's, as we say, or, or, or uh, uh, we wanted to kind of let them know where, where, they, where they could go from here. So we decided to go ahead and retire uh, this past semester, and so we're fully we're retired from MBNU and now retired from APNTS, and the Board of Trustees voted to make me Professor Emeritus for, for APNTS, so I'm like the seventh professor they've ever given that honor to, so I was very, very pleased, I cried. We had, we had a virtual, we had a virtual uh, um, retirement party for me with students from all over the world, that was kind of fun, and um, so we're, we're kind of in the process now of, of, of moving back home and setting things up for a, a new life for us here back in the States uh, permanently. But we're also finding out that there are no, missionaries aren't allowed to move, but since we're retired, we're not directly under the mission department anymore, so we can actually go speak at churches. <laughs> so, so there you go. So God has a way in things, and we've had churches call us and say, well, we can't find any missionaries for our for our faith promise, but you're retired, so you can, you can come to our church. And you're going, okay. <laughs> so God, God is good, and I'm going to show us slides today. Then Some of you have seen these. It's kind of a, a compilation of the past few years of ministry. Some will be new, some will be old. But I do want to start with a little Bible verse. So if you would like to get your Bibles or your Bible apps and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, starting with, we'll start right at verse 1. <clears throat> and I'll start and then I'll stop and do a little word study. So the Beatitudes, a very familiar verse and I hope to, a familiar passage and I hope to look at it in a new way. So starting with chap, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now having seen the crowds, he went up on the mountain and having sat down, his disciples came to him and began to speak. He taught them, saying... Now, I'm going to pause here and talk about a little bit of word study. The next word here is makam, uh, which is a Greek word. Now, it shows up several different translations. One of them is blessed. So look in your Bibles. How many of you does your Bible translate this blessed? Okay, quite a few. How many happy? How many does your Bible say happy? Okay, uh, any other words besides blessed and happy? 
Okay, this is one of those Greek words that's very hard to translate. And theologically, uh, sometimes we have trouble with the idea of blessed are the, in this case, uh, poor in spirit. Because sometimes we think that if we do these things, if we're merciful, then we will obtain a blessing. So it leads us into a works-based interpretation of this passage. That if we do these things, then we will earn a blessing from God. And that's not quite where I think Jesus is going with this teaching. Happy implies a, a, a surface emotion. That if, if you do these things, then you will again be happy. And you can earn happiness by doing this. Well, some of these are kind of contradictory. Happy are you when people persecute you. Oh, yeah, that, that makes my day. Honey, why are you so happy? Oh, I'm being persecuted. Um, I just don't know if happy is the right way to look at something like that. So I had Greek a few years ago with Dr. McCall. You remember Dr. McCall? He's still alive. He's 137. Did you really? Oh, my gosh. He is a great Greek teacher. He's from Texas, and he liked us to always read our Greek out loud. But he read it with a Texas accent, which was always pretty entertaining. Did you have him for Greek? Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, and I lost my page. That's a problem with, with the thing. So the word here, makarioi, means the O-I ending means people of. And whenever you see that O-I ending in Greek, it means it's talking about people. And uh, the, the latest in Greek scholarship, and I'm, I'm part of the school that is interpreting it this way, is saying makarioi means something different than blessed or happy. I like to translate it worthy, valuable, important. When we look at this word in the context of the whole Sermon on the Mount, I think what Jesus is trying to teach is that that everyone has value. Everyone is worthy. Everyone is important. Even people that are suffering, even people that are in, in, in short of things that are lacking, even poor people are worthy. Uh, valuable, important. And I think his ministry came to teach people not to hate each other. I think he tried to teach rich people not to hate the poor, to value the poor, and he taught poor people to value the rich. Because at this time, the, the, the poor people, the, the, the poor Jews hated the, the, the publicans, the tax collectors, they hated the Romans. But yet Jesus took a tax collector and made him one of his apostles. One of the most hated and despised class of people in Israel of his day, Jesus made an apostle. Because I think he's trying to teach us that we are all valuable and all worthy in his eyes. And he doesn't see the things that we see. He doesn't look at us the way that we look at each other or the world looks at us. And I think this is a really important lesson for this time. So I'm going to read the Beatitudes and I'm going to use other words here instead of blessed or happy. And see how this reads. So let's go on with verse 3. Worthy are the poor in spirit, for to them belongs the kingdom of heaven. Valuable are those mourning, for they will be encouraged. Important are the gentle, for they will receive the earth. Worthy are those longing and yearning to do what God requires, for they will be satisfied. Important are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Uh, Worthy are the pure in mind, for they will see God. Valuable are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God's. Worthy are those persecuted for doing what God requires, for to them belong the kingdom of heaven. 
Important are you when people insult you. Valuable are you. Worthy are you when people insult you and persecute you and say any wicked thing against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for likewise they persecuted the prophets before you. And I think this is such an important lesson for us to learn, that we are all worthy and valuable and important, and God doesn't see the things that we see. God doesn't see the lines in my eyes after 35 years of teaching. <laughs> he doesn't see the, the, the stylish and fashionable haircut. Okay, uh, young, young men, comb it while you got it. Um, <laughs> uh, he sees beyond all those things. And I think as we go through and study the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we see that Jesus is really trying to teach these people that they are valuable and important and worthy, no matter what the world says, no matter what their external conditions, and no matter what they're going through. Now, uh, since I have a little time today, I just want to do a side note. There is an interesting quirk in this passage. If we go back to verse uh, uh, 3, it says, Makurioi hoi potokoi tu panumati. And it's kind of interesting because the word potokoi that we translate poor could also mean short or in short supply or out of or lacking. So, and then the word panumati is also the, that we translate spirit is the Greek word for breath, air, and wind. This is my panuma. This is my spirit. In Greek medicine, they thought we were inflatable, that our lungs created air pressure inside our bodies, and that's what allowed us to stand upright and move, because when a baby is born, it takes in breath, right? That's a spirit entering the body, and, you know, when they see someone die, they exhale and they collapse. So, given their limited medical understanding, that was kind of logical. Uh, so, literally, literally this verse could mean Blessed, worthy, important are the... Let, look, look for just a second to the verse before that. He went up to the mountainside, so all his disciples climbed up the mountain, and they sat down, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are you who are out of breath. But um bump So, I, I would like to suggest to you that it is entirely possible that Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount with an attention-getter. And as a speech teacher, you know, pastor, right, you're told to start a sermon with an attention getter, with a joke or maybe something humorous. And so it's possible that Jesus was doing a pun here, doing a play on words with multiple layers of meaning here, because it does mean poor in spirit, which was a, a colloquial phrase for being humble, but it could also mean out of breath. So maybe he, of course, we don't know if he gave the entire sermon in Greek or Aramaic. So this whole point could be completely ridiculous. But maybe Jesus started the sermon with a pun. So what we see in, in Manila, Philippines, and you see the picture behind me, uh, 30 million people. Uh, most of them are what you and I would call the, the, the desperately poor. And it's in one of the most densely populated cities in the world. I'm told that it's, it's, it's the only city like it is Mexico City. So it's about 25 square kilometers in a, in a tidal basin. And there's just people everywhere all the time. If New York is the city that doesn't sleep, Manila is the city that never even dozes off. 
I mean, there's people waiting in line at three in the morning at McDonald's for food. It's just constant people, which is why it was such a shock when the government locked down the city for COVID and no one went anywhere. We had to wait four or five hours in line to get into the grocery store. It was absolutely, grocery shopping was an entire day's event. So it's a very big city, very densely populated city. It's a predominantly Catholic city, uh, but most Filipinos are cultural Catholics. Uh, They go, they do the rituals, but they have no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And an evangelistic revival is happening in the Catholic Church in the Philippines. Cardinal Tagli has been appointed second only to the Pope himself for the Cardinal for Evangelism. Because his message to the Philippines was you can no longer simply attend Mass or, 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 or um, perform some, a lot of the rituals they perform in the Catholic Church and, and be saved. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's really kind of interesting that the Catholic Church is returning to that, what you and I might call an evangelical message. And now the Pope has elevated this man with this message to the second in command of the Catholic Church. Uh, of course, the debate amongst the Filipinos is, will we actually have an Asian Pope for the next Pope? Who knows? They call him the Red Pope because he's second in command. Next slide. Oh, yeah. Do you see where it says retired missionaries? I added that. <laughs> We're retired now. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a long time. Almost as many cars. Again, this is a typical, typical street. But uh, that's why COVID was so alarming when the streets were just completely deserted. Uh, when we, to get back to the U.S., we had to go through the U.S. Embassy. They scheduled four flight, negotiated four flights a day out of the country with the Filipino government, two to um, um, uh, Japan and two through Delta to uh, uh, Seoul. And we're Delta SkyMiles people, so we got the Delta flight uh, and were able to get out. But we decided we would, our flight left at midnight and we would leave the apartment at five because we didn't know how long it would take us to get through the checkpoints. Because the checkpoints on the road, they actually take your temperature, they interview you, uh, uh, you have to have papers of transit to be able to go out on the main roads. And we thought, we don't know how many cars are out there. There may be 200 cars at every checkpoint we have to wait for. And we do not want to miss our plane. <laughs> And so, said it was a Catholic country. And so, so we left at five. Well, the checkpoints were not on the main highway you see here. They were on the feeder roads onto the main highway. So after we got out of our barangay, our neighborhood, we didn't have another checkpoint. So we made it to the airport in about 45 minutes. Usually it's about a two-hour drive. <laughs> we, we gave ourselves six hours, and so we sat in the airport. And there was only one flight leaving this airport that night, our flight. So there were no restaurants open, no stores open, no nothing. There was somebody with a cart selling snacks, so we got snacks. But it was a 32-hour flight back. Uh, we, had, we had to go through Seoul, which had opened up a little bit, and Detroit, which hadn't opened up at all. So it was quite a challenging event. Next slide. Bridging cultures for Christ. This is the theme for Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary. And it is one of two graduate schools in the Church of the Nazarene that offer master's degrees and PhDs. One is in Kansas City for everyone in uh, USA, Canada. One is in Manila, Philippines for everyone else in the world. 
and we have had students from all over the world. I've taught speech there, and Coralie teaches English as a second language. All of the instruction is in English, uh, and there's two reasons for that. One, all of the great works of Christian literature from every language have been translated into English. They have not been translated into some of the languages our students come Like we had our first student from Cambodia this year, and nothing has been translated into his language. Maybe the Bible. Um, um, So by asking them to learn English to study in graduate school, we give them access to every work in Christian literature, whether it's in the German, the Latin, the Greek, whatever. We give them access. And it also allows us to be one people, to bridge those cultures, to all speak a common language. And in our culture, in our world today, the common language happens to be English. And uh, so bridging cultures for Christ, it, it, has, it, has, it has the significance of not just a, 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 a physical connection, but it also overcomes great obstacles. We sang today about a great chasm. Uh, and, and that's what it's like physically. I realize that now, trying to get back to the States during COVID. You know, how really, really, really far away Manila is. It's 12 time zones away. It's literally on the absolute other side of the earth. If we went any further west, we'd start coming back east again because the earth is round. But it can also be flat. It can be round and flat. It's shaped like a pizza. But um, bump. Okay, fine. Um, uh, so we're, 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 we're bridging things just physical. We're, we're breaking down physical barriers. Um, we've been able to get students from our creative access countries. Uh, we, like I said, we had our first student this year from Cambodia come. Uh, and that's a whole other story. Cambodia was so badly decimated during the, the Khmer Rouge, they killed everyone with any education. So there was no one left. And I was talking to a missionary a few years ago about why haven't you sent us any students to ANT? Cambodia, and he said, he said the average Cambodian has a grade school education because they killed all the professors, they killed anyone with a PhD, they killed all the teachers, uh, and he said it's going to be a few years before we get students that actually have bachelor's degrees to be able to come to graduate school. So that's how badly devastated, but yet we're bridging that. We're bridging that. We're getting it. got a student from Cambodia. We've had students from China and Vietnam. Um, so we're actually bridging those, those great cultural and physical barriers. Next slide. This is the main campus building. This campus building was built by the mission department, but most of the interior was equipped by your alabaster funds, your alabaster money at work. Um, it's actually a, a full-scale basement uh, lower level, the basement's so big it has a me- mezzanine. It's big enough for a basketball court. That's how deep the basement is. Then it's got uh, four floors plus a mezzanine. And one of the larger areas is the chapel auditorium that we have there. So that's a wonderful facility. At one point it had more square footage than any other building owned by the Church of the Nazarene. So next slide. Every culture has a day in chapel. Um, uh, bridging cultures for Christ means we want each culture to share a little bit of their cultural uh, life in chapel, which means singing some of their own songs in their own style, even preaching to us in their own style. Uh, sometimes we get some details, some information about life in that culture. And this is uh, uh, what they called subcontinent uh, uh, chapel day. And these are students from India, 
Pakistan and Bangladesh, all sharing the same day in chapel. And what's ironic is at this time, while they were in chapel, they had actually begun firing shots back and forth across the border between India and Pakistan. So while their countries were physically fighting each other at war, the students were here worshiping together, singing the praises of God in chapel at APNTS. Next slide. Many students are from Korea. Um, most of our students are from the Philippines, and the second biggest group is from Korea. And uh, then our third biggest group is from Myanmar. Myanmar is a nation formerly known as Burma. And um, uh, we, have, we, we uh, um, uh, have a very small Nazarene presence in Myanmar. Uh, most of our students from Myanmar are Baptists or Presbyterians, but they do not have graduate schools in Asia. So they're sending us their students, just like the Free Methodists send us their students. We have Free Methodist Church partners with us, and they have professors there, missionaries posted there. The Wesleyan Church posts missionaries there and sends us their students. Uh, we get Salvation Army students there because none of those denominations have graduate schools in Asia. So we really are providing a service to a number of denominations in Asia. Again, bridging those cultures, bridging our denominational differences. Uh, and so uh, Pete was joking this morning that, that we have room to dance in church this morning. Well, this is a Korean dance troupe that was doing a worship and dance number for us as part of their chapel service. Really quite elegant and beautiful, and the, the music was some hymn. I don't remember what hymn, but I recognize it, even though it's Korean. Um, uh, and the Koreans are really on fire for God. Koreans are now sending as many missionaries out as the United States are. But the Korea, South Korea is now considered predominantly Christian. And our largest church of the Nazarene is in Korea. And our largest Nazarene college is in Korea. Uh, so, uh, Korea Nazarene University has over 6,000 undergrads. And so it, it, the Nazarene church has a big presence there in Korea. And Lee will be up in a few minutes to talk about her work in teaching ESL and her Korean students and the exciting and really wonderful ministry she's had with these students. Uh, next slide. I taught communication and education and ministry, and this is a, um, a required class for all the students because having a good theological education is important, but learning how to communicate the gospel effectively makes it even better. So I had the privilege of having every student in my class because it's the only required course across the entire curriculum. There's a story behind that little red car. They had to do role plays for their final exam, and one of the groups did a role play about uh, Jordan Escuza's father, who was a car salesman. And he, was sell he sold nice cars, pretty high-end cars, as well as used cars. And, and with the newer middle class there in the Philippines, everyone wants their own car. So there's a lot of cars. Well, this, this older gentleman that didn't look real well-dressed showed up at the car dealership, and none of the salesmen would wait on him because they thought, he has no money, he's not going to buy a car. Where Jordan's dad was a Christian, values everyone. He said, well, I'll, I'll, t I'll take some time. I'll show him around. Well, of course, you see where this is going. The man was quite wealthy and bought the most expensive car that they offered and made quite a tidy commission for Jordan's dad. <laughs> So that's the story with that slide. Next slide. 
Coralie taught English as a second language, and this was her class this year. She gave the final exam in our apartment because under the COVID rules, we couldn't meet in the classroom. Uh, So she had them come at different times to take their final for her English class. But I'm going to ask her to come now and talk a little bit about her work and her tutoring and um, uh, tell you some of her stories. And did you also want to talk about the Rice Ministry? Yes, this year I had um, nine students. Six were from Myanmar and three were from South Korea. The uh, there was three young ladies from South Korea, and right away when we started class, they said, can we meet with you outside of class? And I said, sure. And so they would come over to the apartment, and we would just, they wanted to talk in English. So that's what we did. And uh, then when we had to shut down, we had to figure out more creative ways because they weren't allowed to come over anymore. And um, so we would meet outside. We would meet in the dining hall. And now we are meeting on Zoom. So it is fun to keep up with them and um, to see them. Um, Two of them have gone back to South Korea. The third one, uh, she is afraid to leave because she's afraid she will not get back. And she has been called into missions, and she is very, um, just very gung-ho about about doing that. Um, The uh, students from Myanmar, uh, they're not as... um, they're more to themselves, uh, but they're, they're very lonely. And um, my heart went out to them. The, the guy in the white shirt, he is married, and, his, of course, his wife is back in Myanmar. And, and it is very difficult for them because they, were, they had to stay in their dorms, and they, couldn't, they could associate with anybody in their dorm, but outside of that, they could not. And so the Internet was very, very important to them, and the Internet wasn't that great. And so even in trying to teach them, we would teach from the apartment uh, over Zoom. It was very difficult because uh, they couldn't hear me or they couldn't, they turn off their audio or they turn off their, uh, their video just to get some kind of signal. And so that, that made it very, very difficult. It's very difficult to teach English because I don't know their language. I am just trying to teach them uh, teach them English, and when you're trying to do it online over video, it's even worse. So uh, it it was a challenge. Um, The verse kept coming to mind, we make our plans, but God directs our feet. And as we sat in that apartment watching our plans dwindle, we tried to find how God could direct our feet. What could we do? There was almost 100 people on that campus that were called into some kind of ministry, and we were completely locked away from the world. And you kept asking yourself, what is, what is our ministry? We could only minister to those around us. We would feed them. We uh, continued the rice ministry. We had enough money to do that. We continued the rice ministry. We want to keep it going um, so that is one thing that we are, if you would, uh, feel uh, called to give to that ministry, is where we give students rice every month. And there was a group that came and they brought eggs on campus and passed them out to the students. The dining hall would go and they would get fresh produce and they would sell it very cheaply to the students. So it got to the point where no one really had to leave to get resources. We had all that we needed. 
We just needed to be with each other. Um, so that was, that was pretty much uh, how it went. I, I think the biggest thing was that when we first land in the Philippines, we always think we have time. We have time to get together with these people. We have time to go shopping. We have time to get to know these people. And then all of a sudden, there was no time left. And it was a sad way to end um, that time there because we had so many plans to be with these people, to love them, uh, to take care of them. But I do like what you're doing in your church because it is what God puts in front of you. All we can do is what's around us. All we can do is touch people that are right here, right now. That's all we can do. Thank you, Coralie. Yeah, she still meets with her students on Zoom 7 o'clock every Monday morning, which is great. All right, next slide. Yes, I've already told you a little bit about dealing with COVID. One of our students made his own hazmat suit. Uh, uh, that's Kevin in his hazmat suit. And for, for the first month or so, we could get deliveries on campus. They could deliver to the front gate and leave the food, and then we would leave the money. And I ordered Domino's online, and they would always tell us the name of the the, the man who was delivering the, the pizza. And the first time we ordered it, it came up as Jesus, which looked to me like Jesus. <laughs> so it said, I got to notice Jesus is delivering your pizza. And I went, oh, okay, great. Well, from then on, every Thursday, she taught class, and so right up to dinner time, so we'd order pizza. That was our little tradition. And we kept that up even after the lockdown started. And, but Romnell delivered to us every, every Thursday. And so I decided that this Thursday I would get a picture of a selfie with me and Romnell delivering our pizza. Well, then they restricted the delivery area, and they had to cross the, the city uh, border to get from Cainta to Tai Tai to deliver our pizza. And so they weren't allowed to cross the city boundary anymore, so he couldn't deliver to us. So I'd have to go pick it up. So one Thursday I was there picking it up, and I was coming out with our pizza, and he was coming in. He said, oh, sir, hello, hello, it is so good to see you again. And I said, oh, hello, Romnell, I miss you so much. And he said, I miss you too. <laughs> Next slide. Hi, this is Enoch T., artist. Like the widow who gave her two coins, these churches give out of the little they have and at great risk to themselves. In Tondo, the KCM church has gone through famine, a fire, police persecution. Thousands don't have enough food to survive and have even lost their home during this time, while hundreds of them have been arrested for trying to line up to get relief aid. My churchmates face the exact same struggle right now. They don't have enough food. Some of them have lost their homes. Yet despite that, they're still volunteering many hours every single day just trying to serve the community that's around them. In Rowenas, the River of Life Community Fellowship has been the Nazarene hub for giving relief aid out to many of the communities here in Manila. And that's despite the fact that most of the church members are amongst the poorest of all of the communities that they are reaching out to. I'm equally heartbroken and amazed. Heartbroken that there are so many people who have turned a blind eye during this time. And also amazed that these two churches have really picked up the slack of everybody else. During this time, I really see why God says he chooses the poor and the orphan and the widow. There's a reason why these churches help when others won't. First, it's because they see the need firsthand. They experience it and they can't ignore it. And secondly, it's because they're more experienced at being generous and even more comfortable 
during crisis. These church members have grown their whole life in churches that the community looks to for help. Most of them grew up with help from these churches. This has made them spiritually tougher. During this quarantine, we're all going through a difficult time. But for some, it's been enough to push them from surviving to not. The hard part is that it was impossible to predict what these plans were going to do to these communities if you weren't already paying attention. Thank God that these churches were looking. Thanks for watching. Peace out. Bridging cultures for Christ. That's what it's all about at APNTS. So part of what happens there is, is these bridges get built. And then when we go out to, to bring the gospel to the world, we have this network of people that were all at APNTS together, worshiping, praising, learning, studying, and we're one people. All right, I just want to close with a few words from a, a hymn that I think we've, that Coralie and I have relied on as we've gone through this time. Great is thy faithfulness. So, God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin. And a peace that endureth, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me.